Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Quick disclaimer before we get into anything, this episode is not suitable for work or children. Hello and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you again for all the wonderful comments, follows, sharing with your friends. All that means a lot to me. So thank you all for subscribing, for liking, for supporting me any which way I can. Because especially I will be taking a little holiday break. So especially while I'm on that break, if you guys want to go through the catalog, lots of episodes in there. And I'll be churning out many more as soon as I'm done with my little Christmas vacation. But let's get down to this because we have a very interesting episode. On the surface, I was like, oh, this episode is going to be like mostly fashion, not really a lot of substance. But the more I was exploring these themes, writing it down, I was like, oh, there's like a plethora of stuff to talk about with this episode. So this episode could either be 45 minutes long or an hour and 25 minutes long. Let's see how we do. We are talking about season two, episode 16, entitled Little Miss Dangerous. The plot synopsis per IMDb, Crockett and Tubbs visit Miami's kinky sex world parlor when a sailor shows up murdered. The trail leads to a mysterious underage dancer, Tubbs tries to straighten out. But is this more than social work? And yes, we did mention a place called Sex World. So let's get into it. We're watching a beautiful young woman do kind of a burlesque performance. Is not as explicit as I would have envisioned a club called Sex World. Whereas I've there are strip clubs in Montreal, I think it's called Club Super Sex, that are just, you know, a little bit raunchier strip clubs. This seems more like a burlesque performance bar with some pretty wild outfits, as you can see by the men on stage performing. This episode is called Little Miss Dangerous. So let's listen to the song that our girl Jackie, played by the singer Fiona, is dancing to at the same time. In the midnight hour about the stroke of 12 she be stepping out You're gonna raise some hell And it's a woman She's holding that wild That song, Little Miss Dangerous, performed by Ted Nugent. So that is, I guess, the second or third Ted Nugent song we've had in Miami Vice so far. Interesting. Now, this club, it gets better and better as the episode goes on. But also, I noticed pyrotechnics, they're not that grand. It seems to just be flames of fire around the stage. They don't seem like they're in close proximity with anything. They don't seem like they're very tall, close to the ceiling. But after that great white concert fire where the pyrotechnics basically engulfed the entire club of in flames, I would be so nervous around indoor pyrotechnics of a place that I don't think would have the proper protocols in place. Let's just put it that way. This isn't exactly a place to go where you're like, I know everything is incredibly by the book. So we see the beautiful Jackie dancing with a... (laughs) This guy just reminds me of like three different people I've come into contact with. bartend in LA all together in one person and he's just not slimy in a way that is incredibly obvious but I kind of noticed that later on the episode I just really don't like 
his demeanor, but he's not a bad guy on the outside. I just don't gel with him. So I think that's why I like watching him in this outfit with like the strappy leggings and the one strap across his body. And he has the soft studded necklace. And then Fiona has the spiky collar, which I like hers better. Like, it makes more sense. His kind of looks like a little bit lame. Like, he went to Hot Topic and was like, oh, I'm emo now. So I digress. And they kind of have this cheesy back and forth with cuts of nails and hands touching and handcuffs. And it's a little cheesy, but they're also cutting to this incredibly handsome young sailor in the audience who's looking on cheersing with her with his beer, making eye contact with her. Once we see her in the dressing room, also looking amazing, teasing up her beautiful, voluminous layered hair. She's talking to Kat about making a little bit extra money on the side. It turns out this isn't her only gig. She's not just a performer. She's also, in fact, a sex worker in the oldest sense of the word, as in the world's oldest profession. So, this is a clip of the conversation I'm going to play you because I laugh and I hope you laugh too. You're going to go whether I say yes or not. I'll be back in 15 minutes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> that gave me a good chuckle, 15 minutes. Oh, ye of little faith, not really having much confidence in this poor guy. He looks like a very young, handsome sailor. I'm sure 15 minutes is low ball again. <laughs> but it's $90 for 15 minutes. So I guess, you know, that's a good deal in $1985. And as she leaves with him from sexual, they go to hotel, disrobe. Again, he is incredibly handsome, very cute, and also quite fit. So we see Kat, this is the boyfriend slash performer at Sex World, waiting for Jackie to be done with her appointment, her John. That is the technical term, with her John. We just see a hand on the screen, reach out, palm facing up, grab the knife that's next to the bed. And then this is a little bit of continuity. If she has the knife in her hand, palm up, in the next scene, we see the knife facing down, held in her hand, stabbing this poor sailor to death. Now... I'll forgive them. I think it just looked better for filming purposes just to have the handout palm first. I mean, palm up and then. But I was like, wait, wouldn't she have to like switch the blade around? Whatever. <laughs> Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. And again, no words are exchanged. We have no idea what the motivation is behind this. However, when Kat makes his way to the hotel where this is all going down, there's a lady pushing a cart, a homeless lady pushing a cart, that he really just gets in the way of. I watched the scene a couple times. I'm like, I understand he's in a rush, but you can also go around somebody. It really wouldn't have taken that much effort. But it all lays things in motion, which is why there has to be this encounter with Kat. We'll figure out what that stands for later on the episode. And this card lady as he gets into the hotel as he goes up to the hotel opens the door he finds the sailor's clothes on fire in the trash bin i believe the floor is carpeted that is a very big risk just thinking out here and we see fiona 
sorry, Jackie, I keep calling one her Fiona. Fiona is her stage name. Uh, her real name is Fiona Flanagan. And then Jackie is the character's name. So let me differentiate that. I'm not the best storyteller. Why am I even doing this? All right, I digress. <laughs> no, I love what I do, but I do go off to edge it quite a bit. <laughs> so we see Jackie kind of cradling herself in the corner, holding the knife up in her hand, close to her face, and we see the blood on the knife. Kat actually kind of sweetly, go, sweetly goes over to comfort her and kind of rocks her back and forth and they get out of there. Now, before the cold open finishes, note the drawing that you see at this scene of the crime. It looks pretty crude. They mentioned in the episode that the material used is crayon. I personally think it's marker. However, it could be crayon, just maybe it's hard to see the texture through the lens. It's easier maybe to see it in person. The colors are vibrant like crayons and there are no gaps like there might be with markers. I'm just kind of like back and forth. I don't also really see that shine that a lot of crayon art has. You know, when you cover an entire piece of paper with a crayon, it usually has like a little bit of a sheen from the wax. So I digress. I don't know if it's marker or crayon. We're going to go with crayon for the sake of keeping up with this episode. As we transition from the cold open to the first scene, we are at the precinct. And here Castillo is explaining to everybody the details of the murder. They don't quite know the motive, but they have established a pattern. It is similar murder weapon, knife, blade, and it seems to be different men in the area, in different locations that are engaging in sexual acts with sex workers. So they hypothesize, Casio hypothesize, that it's a sex worker killing their Johns. Trudy, by the way, looks amazing in this scene because she's about to go out on the street. Her wig is really cool and she has these beautiful teal gloves and she looks like a million bucks. But as Castillo and the whole Vice team is dealing with this serial killer, which is exactly what it is, they're all hands on deck until this person is caught, which means no days off and 12-hour days for all personnel. And it is with this information that Castillo orders kind of a shakedown of local businesses and corners that are frequented by both Johns and sex workers to get a little bit more information. Crockett, though, gets a source with these giant silver fish earrings, but she does make a good point in this next clip. Sonny, these killings are hurting everybody's business. And there's some girls whose babies are not gonna eat tonight because their dates are too frightened to come down here. So I'm not talking about myself. I got some good stuff tucked away. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. If I see anything, you'll be the first to know. Thanks, honey. Okay. Behave. That is definitely Crockett slapping her on the butt and telling her to behave. Now we see Tubbs with a familiar face. Why it isn't Jackie or Fiona from Sex World. He's talking to her, getting a little bit more information and backstory. Again, this brings him back to his New York days. And I like the way that Jackie responds to him in this next clip. I want you to take this number. Give a call in the morning. There'll be someone there that can help you find a job and a place to stay. I have a job. 
This is super progressive for 1985, where obviously her story does fall into very popular tropes of why people enter sex work. But looking at it now from 2022, when one of the most popular shows, The White Lotus, has two very prominent, beloved characters who are sex workers and possibly fan favorites. I know all the memes, me and my friends, we all love them. We all really rooted for them. And so obviously public discourse has changed a lot about how we view sex work and there is a big push to legalize it and you know recognize that sex work is work. So the fact that she just straight off the bat was like, I have a job. I really admire that spunkiness and we'll see a lot more of it through this entire episode. And I understand where Tubbs is coming from. I'm not trying to Shame him or guilt him. You know, this girl just told him that she's 18 but doesn't have any ID to prove it. So obviously in Tubbs' head, he knows that she's probably 16 or 17, hopefully 18. You know, unfortunately, away from home, living on her own, working in clubs and turning tricks. So I understand where both of them are coming from, but I really like how spunky she is. And as we transition scenes, I'm going to make a shameless plug. Please go check out the gallery this week because I am not joking. I originally uploaded 74 different pictures and gifts and I kind of had to call them because there were so many amazing outfits. And most of these outfits are from the first three scenes, are from the opening of Sex World, including a guy in a kind of Canadian tuxedo vest drinking a beer outside. <laughs> I thought I'd wrote a funny caption. I was like, this is exactly what I would envision someone who frequents a place called Sex World to look like. <laughs> but the outfits on the sex workers are also super incredibly stylish. And there's one picture I got of Trudy um, with her turquoise accessories, Gina with her turquoise accessory, her purse, and a sex worker in a short turquoise miniskirt. And I was like, three different shades of turquoise in one scene. I love that. I'm really appreciating the way this episode is shot as well. I'm going to go research who the director is. Hopefully I'll have that by the time we wrap it up. But I really like the color play and the cinematography in this episode. Uh, but let's get to set design because right now, as we are going to the apartment of Cat and Jackie, <laughs> these windows look to be like it's molded plastic within. It is very weird. I know that a lot of times you don't want to have direct shiny glass. I'm not using the proper term for it. There's uh, tempered glass and there's frosted glass. This just seems something wild. Melted plastic head glass. <laughs> and once again, Jackie is really committed to doing exactly whatever she wants. Kat, it does seem like he really does care for her. And I admire that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that he was there to help her at the murder scene that she caused. I don't agree with all this. It is very hard for me this episode because there are many facets of Jackie's personality that I really admire and like. However, at the day, she is a serial killer. We know this as the audience before the rest of the Vice team. So it's kind of like an episode of Columbo where we know really what's going on and... We are just watching the flames fan and fan and fan as the situation gets hotter and more dire. But I really like her and I'm really rooting for her. Kat, again, does something that 
is very sweet and common, but it just doesn't fit with her personality. And you can hear that in this next scene. I'm not ready to get married yet. You know that. We have a home already. Aren't you happy here? Yeah. And completely fair why an 18-year-old, well, let's hope that she's 18, wouldn't be ready for marriage and that she likes her life the way it is and that she likes living in Miami. The one piece of, I don't want to say advice, the one request he makes is that it has to stop. She kind of plays dumb. It's like, well, what do you mean? Well, stabbing customers, honey. That's got to stop. I'll give him credit. That's totally fine. I totally stand behind him not wanting his partner to continue her killing spree. I think that is totally justified. And now transitioning a little bit, but keep Jackie and Kat in mind because Gina calls Crockett to let him know that someone saw a little bit more than usual the night that the sailor was stabbed. So Crockett goes to talk to the homeless lady pushing the cart that we encountered that cat rudely kind of like pushed her cart back again he could have gone around whatever i digress however crockett always a charmer how you been doing sweetheart hanging in there handsome <laughs> and as they're making a little bit of small chit chat she also mentions that she and Truffaut were born on the same day then I don't know who that is, so I will do some research to come back to on that. <laughs> then she describes the gentleman that she encountered as entering the building and then leaving the building after the sailor had been killed as big, blonde, nervous, and almost knocked me down. So they're looking for someone of like a slightly bigger build, a little bit more intimidating. Then as they're talking a little bit, Tubbs notices Jackie walking with another John into another rundown hotel called the Anchor Hotel. So you can tell that Tubbs's attention is like really diverted from what's going on with Crockett, this lady, and Gina. He walks across the street, goes into the hotel anchor, doesn't announce he's a police officer, and does this. A couple that just came in here. Poopy. Thank you. Now, I have stayed in accommodations at both ends of the spectrum. I have stayed in Motel 6s and Ramada Inns in rough parts of Albuquerque and Las Vegas on road trips. I've also stayed at much higher accommodations. I don't... Never would have thought that someone could grab what room I'm in, not even with my name, not even with any type of identification. I understand that this drives the plot forward, but... Oh my God. And especially in a rundown motel that you know is used for couples having affairs or sex workers, wouldn't you want to prevent further liability from happening? Giving people the room numbers of jealous spouses or boyfriends of sex workers, that just seems like a disaster waiting to happen. So I don't know in what world you could ever obtain that information. Again, unless you have like a proper warrant, because even just announcing yourself as a police officer, I don't think you're just barged into someone's room. So I digress because it advances the plot along. This is just me being a little uppity. And it's actually really funny. So when Tubbs goes to the door, <laughs> someone is caught by surprise. This isn't what it looks like. 
Oh, oh my god. So the best part is that he's saying this while he's zipping up his pants. I did make a gif of him zipping up his pants. I just thought it was hilarious. And he kind of just like gets out of there. So Tubbs starts talking to Jackie a little bit more, pressing her on what happened with the number that he gave her. Surprise, surprise. Did you call that number? No, I tore that up. Figures. Look, I can take care of myself. I have my own life, my own home. Nobody could kick me out because I pay my rent. Yeah, I noticed. Sex doesn't affect me. I'm just a physical substitute. I've been used to that my whole life. Yes, the physical substitute part of what she was saying is a little sad, but I also really commend her for just being confident in what she does and she doesn't want handouts and she really enjoys her freedom. And I personally saw this a lot with kind of like my contemporaries during COVID where a lot of people just went home to live with their parents or had that opportunity to do so, went to save money on rent and then later invested into a house or what have you. But that's not a realistic option for a lot of people. Either people's parents can't afford to have them in, people are supporting their parents, people just don't have that relationship with their parents, their parents aren't alive. So the fact that she is so determined to stand on her own, again, I know this plays into a sadder story, but I really respect her. I know I have to take that she's a serial killer out of the equation. I wish I could just redo this episode and nothing happened. She was just a girl that talked to Tubbs and la-di-da. She ends up opening up her own sex club and performing as well, but not as many nights. So she has more of a work-life balance and that would be the happy story. But this is 1985 network television. So let's get back into it. So how old are you? Old enough to know better. Better than what? This episode is full of one-liners, right? Now Tubbs kind of proposes that they go out for something to eat. So as Jackie and Tubbs are walking from the hotel, remember that Kat, her boyfriend, keeps an eye on her when she goes on business calls. So, surprise, surprise, he gets really aggro when he runs into Tubbs. They start fighting. Crockett shows up. Cat gets arrested. Then at the precinct... <laughs> the etymology, if you will, or the significance or the meaning of the nickname Cat is... <laughs> is explained, kind of, in this next clip. What does Cat stand for? Stand for anything, man. Catastrophe. Catatonic. Cat scan. Any kind of cat you got, I'm up for it. <laughs> now, I will say something that our generation definitely ruined because if this were in 2022, there would be some furry connotation so I actually really respect the fact that this is 1985. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I just need to get this out of my system. So Katz is obviously not gelling with Tubbs or with Crockett. He's really defensive. He hypothesizes that Tubbs arrested him in order to get closer to Jackie. Tubbs and Kat argue. Basically, Kat claims that he didn't do anything and that the drawing they found wasn't his. He's not a murderer. Then Tubbs suggests that he kills Jackie's Johns while, quote, she pays his rent on her back. 
end quote. Oof. And that is something that does come up in sex work where people are exploited. However, in this situation, I think that Jackie is definitely the one with control. And that I do think Kat operates from a place of love and he does care for her. But I think it's a little bit... I think he loves the idea of her more than who she really is and that he likes being a savior and helping her get off the streets would fulfill his need to be wanted and desired and to have a different type of power than the power that Jackie holds over him. Also, maybe I'm just overthinking this episode, especially, I know, just because there's been so much discourse on White Lotus and watching, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, where Albie gets played by this incredibly charming sex worker and, like, you're actually rooting for her because this kid is so dumb and this is a mistake that he has to make and his father knows it and his father also slept with the same sex worker so it's just, like, a whole bag of awkward. But, yeah, maybe I'm just reading a little bit much too into this. Let's move on. Because Tubbs and Kat still getting a little bit too argumentative, butting heads. Tubbs leaves the room. Crockett has a chance to play good cop and get a little bit more info from Kat and really see the softer side of him in this next clip. You see, it bothers him. Someone so young is turning tricks. Tell me about it, man. It was this guy was going to put her in a snuff flick. You know, night on a white horse thing. I saved her. Look, I've tried to make her life the best I could. You really love her? Yeah. More than my own life. And that is very sweet, and it's nice that Crockett was able to access that side of him and that he was able to become a little bit more less guarded. That didn't sense, did not make sense grammatically, but less guarded around Crockett. Now, Tubbs on the phone, chit-chatting away, and Trudy comes up to give him information on Jackie that he requested when she was doing background checks when they were doing the prostitution bust. So, sad news that Jackie was an orphan whose parents passed away at the age of six and she was raised in the foster care system, different foster homes, but ended up running away one year ago, which if she is being truthful about her age that she's 18, meant that she ran away from foster care at age 17. And I know that Michael Mann was not as hands-on with Miami Vice as he was in other projects, but in Thief, his movie with James Caan, there is actually a really good scene that really talks honestly about the perils of the foster care system and how tough it is to grow up in that system. So I think that's a very interesting point to introduce into this episode. But we're not going to get to that just yet because Jackie comes to visit the precinct right when Crockett tells Tubbs that Kat's going to end up walking because the lady, the Cartley that we were talking to earlier, can't properly ID him. So Tubbs and Jackie end up talking. Tubbs gives her an address, a safe house, and double checks that she's safe and that she can safely get away from Kat. 
Then Cat walks by, escorted by two police officers, and flips out, seeing Tubbs and Jackie talk again. So after this, Jackie is going to go to this very palatial safe house that I believe includes a pool. Like I kind of see one reflecting into the window. My God, this is an incredibly bougie, bougie safe house. But before we get there, Crockett and Tubbs go to visit Sex World to see what's going on firsthand. However, in this act, Jackie is not there. Cat is performing with another woman. And this scene actually kind of tugs in your heartstrings a little bit because Cat looks really sad. He looks a little despondent, his eyes are a little bit vacant, but I did take a pretty good gif of him noticing that Tubbs in the audience and like getting a little bit angry and kind of like popping up. Cause again, he's handcuffed to bed lying down. You can see him kind of like get up and you see this gloved hand kind of push his shoulder back down. So I thought that was funny. And unfortunately, a sad piece of information, speaking of the foster care system, when Crockett and Tubbs are talking, Tubbs mentions that she moved around to five different foster homes. And so that means in 11 years of her life, she has lived in five different foster homes until she finally ran away from the system at age 17, which is incredibly sad. This is the scene where you can see the centerpieces that I keep talking about, the shells lit from within with the palm trees a little bit better. I love this so much. I would really love to incorporate that into my own bar, those centerpieces. They would 100% get stolen, but maybe I'll like, um, I'll screw them into the table. I'll like nail them into the table. Take credit cards so you can't just walk out with the centerpieces, just keep an eye on them. But so what's Jackie doing at this time? Crockett and Tubbs are basically just watching Cat and some woman on stage doing Jackie's act. Turns out Jackie is out on the town. She is wearing a not really form-fitting, but a really flattering pink dress on her body. She is so lithe and so tiny. And then I included a link to her song, Talk To Me, and she has this powerful, powerful voice. And you can hear it in her raspy speaking voice, but then when you just hear her sing and project, it's like, how does it come out of this little body? And she's so cute. And her booties that she's wearing, her boots, or high heel boots, have zips kind of going diagonally down the boot, and they're so cute, so 80s, so stylish. I tried to basically point to the shoes. I don't think I could really zoom in as much just because the quality is not really as great this episode, but love her. She is definitely one of my best dressed choices for the entire episode. A John offers her $100 to get busy. So right when the John pulls up, we hear Little Miss Dangerous playing again. So we're kind of splicing in between scenes of Kat and this woman performing this very lackluster performance with Jackie and her John. And this is all happening while Tubbs tells Crockett that he gave Jackie a key to the safe house. So I'll keep all that information for later. As the lyrics, she's on fire, are playing to Little Miss Dangerous. Jackie is actually performing the same ritual she always does, lighting the scene on fire while Cat is tied to the bed. It's just like these interspices. And 
I touched on this with Kyle when we were talking about Definitely Miami, but not only kudos to the team that picks the music, but also the way they arrange which lyrics are playing at what time to have She's on fire while she's literally lighting a match after she's just killed a man. Uh, multiple men, but as she's killed a man and lighting the scene on fire in order to destroy as much of the evidence as she can. Like, this is very good use of the proper lyrics. So kudos, chef's kiss to the Miami Vice music team. And then, not shortly, but not that long after, Zito and Spytek find the car engulfed in flames. Crockett knows that Kat was working at the time and he couldn't have committed the murder. This is when Tubbs goes to the my notes say, nice ass safe house, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, that doesn't have any security detail, it seems. I understand that not every safe house needs to have security detail. Maybe you just need to kind of like keep them away from a situation that isn't fatal. But at the end of the day, this girl is living in this super 80s marble glass block, possibly a pool outside. Very sparsely decorated, though, obviously. Safe house. So wild. And it has at this palatial bougie-ass safe house that Tubbs and Jackie talk a little bit more about her background and how her chaotic, unsupportive childhood in the foster care system really was. So none of the homes worked out? No. They all had a little girl who died and they couldn't have any more children. Or they thought that having a kid make up for all the things that were wrong with their lives. I was just a physical substitute. They, um, they never wanted me for me, which I can understand. What do you mean by that? Wasn't good enough to be loved. Oh man, that's so sad. And unfortunately, not to think really negatively, but if she went to five different foster homes. I'm pretty certain there was abuse, probably of many different kinds of abuse, going on with this, these homes. So not only is she lacking love, she doesn't have security or a loving, warming family environment to grow up in. And she's, I'm assuming, being subjected to abuse. So this is really sad for a girl who hopefully is 18 years old. Now let's get back to the precinct. Crockett brings in stacks and stacks and stacks of file folders, MO files, so basically trying to find out the motive, trying to find out the psychology behind these murders. Now that is a serial killer, really trying to piece it together, see what clues they can have. Then Cat wakes up from a cat nap to an open bottle of whiskey and a full glass. Okay, not full glass, but you know, like it looks like a two finger pour of whiskey next to him. Jackie has not returned to their apartment. So Kat goes out to find her, ends up going back to Sex World. But, and I really enjoyed this scene, not just for the cinematography, which obviously I'm raving about, but for the song choice, which is Assault and Battery by Howard Jones. But there's a lot of neon green lighting and just the way that it's shot. You see a reflection of him from a stream of water in an alleyway. You see a big shadow of him 
and him being smaller in size naturally with kind of like a greenish glow around him. You see oh, a vent open with mysterious green backlit pollution, smog, steam, what have you. And you see him talking to all these different characters trying to get more of Jackie's whereabouts. You see him talking to a few other sex workers, one of whom on the right-hand side that you can see on the gallery is wearing this really cool patterned bodysuit, which I really admire. Then we also have him talking to the guy in the fedora with the shiny shirt. And the, the shirt's unbuttoned, of course. And then the guy, I'm so sorry that this out oh, this picture is such poor quality. Like I said, it can get so hard to screenshot when it's taking place in a smoking smoky club because you just can't really make anything, but he's wearing a black leather headband. He's tied up on an X shape edifice behind him and he has this long metal necklace he's obviously shirtless while a woman is walking around with a whip so this is not cat by the way this is a completely different other guy but it's just a very interesting scene all around and then his boss in full jewels smoking telling him that he's got to go on even if jackie's not there you know shows a show show must go on so why <laughs> wild scene, but I loved it. One of my, in the recent episodes of my advice that I've watched, probably one of my favorite scenes purely for the cinematography. And so while after this has happened, Crockett and Tubbs are at the precinct kind of going over all the paperwork they have, just kind of getting, you know, a little bit frustrated with the lack of progress that they're making. While Jackie, on the other hand, is making a lot of progress. She is packing her bags. I do appreciate that she is including her animal print clothes in the bags. As she's leaving, Kat isn't getting aggressive, but he's kind of laying a guilt trip on her that she doesn't really want to hear. It doesn't matter what you say, Kat. I'm leaving. Where are you going? It doesn't matter. I'm just going. Hey, we got plans. Hey, we're going to go to L.A. We're going to get married. We'll do work out there, and we'll get to meet a lot of people. can't do it without me. They'll catch on. They'll hurt you. He'll hurt you. You know I'm right. Jackie. Jackie, I love you. Now again, I don't know Jackie that well. I've only seen her in this one episode. She doesn't want to move to Miami. So the plans that they that he says that, quote, they have are his plans, what he wants to do. She doesn't want to move. She doesn't want to get married. However, he's guilt tripping her about bailing on the plans that she never agreed to in the first place. So obviously a completely different story, but parallel. Girls, women, men, anybody, however you identify, if someone is guilt tripping you about leaving a situation you don't want to be in, leaving your crappy hometown, just go. Worst comes to worst, you can come back in six months. Try it out. Don't stick around. Especially now when they're guilting you with that. Let's move on. Now we're going to head back to the precinct where Tubbs on the phone with different halfway houses trying to get a little bit more resources for Jackie. 
Then flowers are delivered to Tubbs with a card. He then heads to the safe house, meaning that these flowers were naturally from Jackie. After Tubbs has left, Kat calls Crockett and offers to give him the killer if they forget about him and Jackie and leave them both alone. They agree to meet up in the alley behind the Ardemar Hotel, which is where the sailor was killed. If I'm not mistaken, it might be something different. I do apologize. Now, Tubbs is at the safe house talking with her about the future. They're definitely not on the same page in this next clip. We got to do some talking. Okay. About your future. Well, I'm going to stay here with you, right, Ricardo? Well, you got to have some new things happening in your life. Now, I've already contacted a couple of places that are interested in talking to you. Don't you want me? Yeah, I want to help you to help yourself. You can change your life, Jackie. I'm gonna take a couple of days off. Tomorrow, you and I will get together and go check these places out. What do you say? Okay. Will you at least stay here with me tonight? I get scared in this house. <laughs> so after he mentions that he'll sleep on the couch, she kind of dismisses that and says that she's actually been sleeping on the couch. And a surprise to nobody, this is what happens in the next scene. She makes the move. Kiss me. Jackie. I love you. Jackie. I love you too. Why are you doing this? What are you doing? What are you doing to me? I'm not doing anything except trying to be your friend. You gave me a key to this house. You talked to me. Come on, Jackie. Um, okay. No danger or violence has been introduced in this scene. It's just a kiss, and he's rejecting her. Why would you say, I love you too, to somebody who, to whom you do not have romantic feelings? I'm not victim-blaming Tubbs. I just don't know why he thought that would diffuse the situation. They keep talking. When I used to work in New York... I knew a lot of girls. They were in the same place you are. Can I remind you of that? No. Haven't you ever had a friend? Someone who believed in you? Well, I'm your friend. Trust me. You don't have to be like them, Jackie. Oh my God, I have a broken record. Nobody is listening to what Jackie actually wants. They're just doing what they think that they should do. And I understand that she's very young. She is a victim of abuse. She is in an industry that, unfortunately, as much as people are trying to change how it's conducted and legalize it and making it safer for women, that it is incredibly dangerous for women, not only with violence, but with sexually transmitted diseases and drug abuse. So I understand that they 
both have good intentions, Tubbs and Cat, but they're not really listening to her. She's telling them, I don't want to change. I want to stay the same, and I want to do what I want to do, and I want to be independent. Surprise, surprise. Guess what happens? <laughs> this episode is not called Little Miss Sunshine and Lollipops. It's called Little Miss Dangerous. Speaking of... When Cat and Crockett are supposed to meet in the alleyway, Cat surprises Crockett, pulls out a switchblade, and restrains him, all the meanwhile asking where Jackie is. Crockett's not giving up the information. So then a cop car pulls by, lights shine, Crockett screams, I'm a cop, get him, get him, get him. They actually point the gun and stall Crockett instead, and Cat ends up running off. Very frustrating for Crockett, but to be fair, he didn't have his badge. He was just saying I'm a cop, which, to be fair, anyone can in that situation. Then Crockett goes to Kat and Fiona's apartment. This is when everything starts clicking. So remember that Crockett's already ruled out Kat as a suspect because Kat was working the night that the guy in the car was killed and the car was burned. So once he enters his apartment and sees this artwork that is incredibly similar to the artwork that Cat dropped as he was making his way out of the hotel where the sailor was killed, which the homeless lady then picked up and gave to the police, it all clicks in that Jackie is the killer. As Crockett is driving off to get to the safe house, he keeps calling and calling and calling. By this time... Fiona has already drugged Tubbs, putting something into his juice, walking over to him as he goes to bed and planning on repeating the ritual. So the, Jackie's already taken the phone off the hook while Crockett is racing, racing, racing. Calls in, I don't really think it's an APB, but basically, you know, as much backup as can arrive at the house to make sure that Tub survives this because they all kind of know what's going to happen. And as Crockett is driving, Cat is following him on his motorcycle. However, I took a picture because the Sun Driver is definitely not Cat because it's definitely a Sun Driver. I was able to get a picture of his face. He's doing wheelies. Like if my girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever my partner was about to kill another victim in their killing spree. I don't know if I'd be doing wheelies on the way. It's like that meme, like your partner is being kidnapped and held at gunpoint for ransom and you have to get there, but it's a 30 minute drive. Do you put the radio on? Yes or no. <laughs> like I get that it's for effect because it's like a really cool chase scene. And the song is really cool as well. The Order of Death by Public Image Limited. And it's just a really cool kind of dark wave synth song that's playing along as this chase is happening. And it's getting a little bit more tense. We're reusing B-roll from the pilot. As Crockett's gets out of the car, races to the safe house, Tubbs is kind of waking up, making consciousness as Crockett is about to arrive. And then he starts to freak out, realizes what's happening. He's handcuffed to the bed. He can't get out. He sees that his gun is gone. Jackie has his gun. She's standing at the edge of the bed in this black robe, apologizing and saying all these things. And there's already a fire lit. So Tubbs is freaking out knowing what's going to happen. Once he hears Crockett bang on the door, he tells Crockett to shoot the lock. That's not good enough because you know what? Cat 
is going to ride his motorcycle or the stunt double is going to ride their motorcycle through the door. However, not to make light of the situation, Top survives, obviously, so it's fine. So like I said, the stunt person, the motorcycle knocks the door down. But the door falls backward on top of the motorcycle, and presumably the person driving the motorcycle. Is Tubbs climbing up on the door to get entry into the house by walking on this person who is probably severely (laughs) injured? (laughs) He does it quickly. It's not like he keeps his whole body weight on for like a minute or two. Like he just uses it to get in the house. And by the time they're in the house... Tubbs has screamed out, no, trying to prevent Jackie from unfortunately killing herself. And it is tied in with the scream of no with the gunshot that the episode ends. Luckily, Tubbs has been saved. Crockett walked over at this poor crippled motorcyclist just in the nick of time to save him. And that's the episode. Oh, wow. We got some major looks in this episode because we don't really have a lot of iced tea. Unfortunately, when I did a little bit of research, couldn't really find anything too scandalous. So let's break down some super iconic looks. Let's do the actual best dress first before we get into wildcard. So Tubbs in that kind of slate blue silk undershirt with the gray blazer looks like a million bucks. That is such a great shade of blue. It's almost sapphire. Like it just has a very vibrant tone to it. I also, speaking of different shades of blue, I told you there's a lot of different shades of blue in this episode. Like I mentioned the turquoise as well. Crockett has a very pale, like a very, like paler than sky blue. Super, super pale, maybe turquoise because there's a little bit of green in there too. With a low cut striped shirt and coral trousers that just all work together and make them look like a million bucks. Trudy is going to be my best dressed woman because she matched her lipstick to her hair. It's kind of like a frosted light lilac lipstick with a dark purple leopard print sleeveless mock turtleneck dress with the silvery gray wig looks amazing. I always love all of her street looks, but this one I really like a lot. And I really enjoy that scene where she's talking with Tubbs and you see the long dangly pink gem earring to go along with her like tailored dress. I really like what I have noticed in the past couple episodes. uh, Sandra Santiago, Gina looks skinnier than normal. And I'm not saying this to shame anyone for their weight, but you can tell it doesn't look that great on her. Like she kind of looks a little too skinny. And I kind of say there's always a weight that I do this with my friends a lot. I'm like, you look great. Don't do anything else. That's like, don't. And someone said it to me once too. And like, I kind of like that where it's not feeding into that negativity of, oh, I have to keep losing weight to get compliments. Like, no, 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 that's it. Don't do any more. Cause especially if you have stronger features, like I do, it can change very quickly where your face can look a little bit gaunt and sick and those strong features that, you know, you can kind of work with, with a little bit of baby fat on your face. Once you get rid of that, it doesn't look so great. Um, cause oh yeah, this is all the gossip that people are finally realizing what buckle fat removal is. It's basically where you get the fat sucked out of the bottom of your cheeks. However, to each their own, do whatever you want with your body, but keep that shit in your face because the older you get, the more you'll want fat on your face. 
Uh, there's an, also an old saying that you make a choice at a certain age. This was, again, before plastic surgery was so prevalent. That at a certain age, you have to choose between your ass and your face. <laughs> do with that what you will. But just because I'm a little too nervous to do that. And of course, I always wanted, you know, more prominent cheekbones. But I already have prominent cheekbones. So if I had gone buckle fat removal when I was younger, I would just look very gaunt and very square. So I don't know where I went off on this. Yes, Sandra Santiago. She's a little bit little bit gaunt in these episodes. Always a beauty, but you know, just a little bit gaunt. Now let's have some fun with it. Let's get to wild card. So my first is the gentleman in a denim vest holding a bottle of beer outside. The denim vest is not buttoned, by the way. And this is one of my wild cards. Again, I really like all the outfits on all the sex workers this episode because the second wild card choice is a woman in zebra pants and then on the other side of her is a woman in what looks to be hot pink jeans and they both look like a million bucks. Then we have our guy in the fedora with the shadow of cat talking to him in the background. He reminds me of that gang in the Warriors, like the East Harlem gang. Just with the shiny shirt and the, and the, it's like very 70s, his look, right? With the fedora and the gold chain. Then we have another man in a crop top as he's being pulled out of sex world by Zwaitak. Let's just bring back crop tops for men, shall we? And there's so many other good looks in this episode. Like a lot of the working girls have amazing looks throughout. So definitely if you are into design fashion, this is the one for you. And of course my best decor, we're gonna go with sex world, but not for the reason you think. I'm all about that shell or conch. <laughs> I hate saying that. There's many different connotations in different languages of what conch means. And the palm tree. I just love that it's lit from within. It kind of like adds a little bit of elegance to this burlesque club, if you will. And now let's move on to music. I know I've talked a lot this episode, so I'm trying not to ramble on too much. But again, like I mentioned, I really like the use of every single song in this episode. Like I mentioned in the beginning, I really liked Little Miss Dangerous to kind of introduce Jackie and then using the lyric, she's on fire as she's lighting her victim on fire literally at that moment. Then Here Comes My Girl by fellow Floridian, the late Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers while he's talking marriage and the plans for the future with Jackie. Then Assault and Battery by Howard Jones as Cat's going on that green backlit search for her and then my favorite song in the episode just because I think it's super thematically relevant there's also a lot of thematic relevance in Assault Battery but this was my favorite just because I kind of like that dark goth synthwave vibe I'm going to post a playlist as well that someone discovered at work that's super good if you're kind of into this Basically, the entire lyrics are just repeating, this is what you want, this is what you get. Not that I'm victim-blaming Tubbs. I think this is more speaking to Jackie, like, this is what you want. This is the life you want. You don't want to change your serial-killing way, so this is exactly what you're going to get, where she just feels trapped and compelled to commit suicide because she doesn't see a way out because the only person that she saw as her way out was Tubbs instead of taking that chance, not that I'm recommending that a serial killer just run out into the wild, but she did have the chance where she could have just left Scott free and Kat would have been possibly stuck with the charges, but then it might have been dropped, then it kind of just would have been an unsolved mystery. Not that I'm recommending that. I'm. It's very hard because I really enjoy her character. I just have to separate her from her actions. 
But then you just kind of get these like haunting buzzwords in the song, like here now, ending, one life, one knife. This is what you want. This is what you get. Here now, ending, one life, one knife. Even though I guess it's not super thematically correct because a gun was used in the suicide rather than a knife. And I kind of want to do Vice T, but I couldn't really find anything on Fiona. Fiona seems super cool. Like I said, I linked the video of her song. She has such an amazing voice. And it seems like her career didn't pan out maybe the way that some people thought it was. Maybe she just had more agency and she didn't want to put more effort into it. I did read that she did briefly work for PricewaterhouseCoopers and then she resigned and retired and had children and became a mother and that's her life now. Uh, From a recent picture I could find of her on the internet, she still looks amazing and hopefully still has that beautiful voice. Now, I also couldn't really find much or nothing scandalous on Larry Joshua, that's his name. Sorry, I had to look it up. However, some very interesting credits. He was on Cop Rock. Naturally, he was also Michael Mann favorite. He was also on Crime Story. Then he was also, this is speaking for my generation, Cradle to the Grave. (laughs) That was a big hit when we were in middle school. Cop Rock is... I have not been able to find anywhere. I think just because of music licensing, it must be a nightmare. But Fiona actually has a credit that I'm very interested in called Hearts of Fire, where basically she is playing the paramour, maybe crush, maybe lover of an older musician, Bob Dylan, and ends up compromising that relationship by pursuing a younger musician played by Rupert Everett. So this is already on my Just Watch. I will let you guys know if and when I do watch it. <clears throat> Sorry that Vice was a little bit boring, but it appears that both of our guest stars, Larry Joshua and Fiona, have retired. Larry Joshua's last acting credit was in 2014. And so with that, we are wrapping up Season 2, Episode 16, Little Miss Dangerous. As always, you can follow me on all social media platforms, that I belong to. So basically just Instagram and TikTok at Vice and Easy Podcast. You can also get this podcast wherever you listen to iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, Stitcher. And if it is not available on a platform that I've not found, please reach out to me. I'm always happy to submit my podcast to more platforms to get the name out there. Thank you again for supporting me. I'm wishing you all a wonderful holiday season with your loved ones, with your family, with your cats, with your dogs, with whatever it may be. And I look forward to seeing you and hearing all your wonderful feedback and getting to know you better in 2023. Thank you so much for supporting me for this whole journey in 2022. This was something that I had been wanting to do since 2020. And unfortunately, life just got in the way. I was only able to launch it in 2022. And it's been a really big part of my life. And it's introduced me to so many cool people. And it's also expanded my horizon a little bit. I'm hearing about different aspects of history and law and different movies and different songs to discover. So it's enriching me as a person, I'd like to think. So I hope it's helping you in whatever you have going on. Hopefully it's all wonderful things as we revisit the wonderful world of Miami Vice and all five seasons. Thank you again for listening. And as always. Hey man, Miami Vice is number one new show.